0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Today on Student of the Word, we're talking about the subject of glorification. Glorification, as far as God is concerned, is a done deal. We haven't got there yet. That's the resurrection body we will have. We'll talk about that today in the broadcast. You're about to be blessed. Let's go
1: to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob And Thank you so much for being a blessing to God by preaching to others, giving to them the Word of God, making disciples out of them, loving people, but also loving this ministry also. Thank you for giving to me. God's a blessing to me, but you know what? So are you. Two ways that I am prosperous and blessed as a minister. Number one is God has blessed me, but number two, you bless me. God blessed me with a call, God blessed me by empowering me with the Holy Spirit. But you know what, when it goes to doing what we're doing right here, it takes finances and God uses you. So we could say this, that on one hand, the power of God, the calling of God is important, but also on the other hand, the giving of finances so that people can go is important to the kingdom of God. There's so much to be said in the Word of God about the importance of giving and the blessing of giving for the number one reason We love God and we love people. You put those two first in your giving and God promises he will bless you. He will profit you. And so if you'd like to become a partner with all those hundreds that are partners with me right now, then once you go to my website, bobbyandian.com. And on there, you'll find a place where you can become a partner with those, with me, so that we can, again, be blessed. And one day we're gonna get to heaven. Look back, and you know what we're gonna say? Again, we're gonna look back and say, you know, America was a great place, I'm glad I lived there, or I'm glad I lived in that time period, but look at what I've got, I'm in heaven now. And you'll look around you at people that you gave and they'll say, listen, through you, I came to know Jesus, through you, I became a disciple. I can tell you one thing, is there any regrets in heaven? Probably so, and that is a fact of seeing all those around you that you blessed and helped to get into the kingdom of God. You, looked at your, you can look at yourself and say, you know what? I should have done more. Man, I see this place and man, I should have witnessed more. I should have given more money. I should have been more faithful to church, to God. And you know what, but one day all tears will be wiped away, all regrets will be gone. But in the meantime, why wait till then? Why not begin to look at yourself now and say, you know what, I could be better at spreading the gospel. I could do more for the kingdom of God. I do so much for myself and so much for my family, but I should do more for the kingdom of God. And again, join me as a partner. Go to BobYandian.com. You'll find a place where you can join me in the sending out of the word of God to make disciples out of all Christians that are out there. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter one today. I'm gonna break this down into an individual verses of scripture. We're gonna take a look at verse uh, 3, verse 4, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1. And Ephesians chapter 1 is really just laying out what God did for us before the foundation of the world. Everything he's talking about in this verse is past tense. And he's blessed us, and chosen us, and accepted us, and we have redemption. And, uh, but we're talking about today also, we have something that is yet to be fulfilled. Although God has already done it for us, it hasn't been fulfilled yet. It's much like Bible prophecy. God said this is a done deal, but we haven't got there yet. If you know it's a done deal, then you can take a look at history coming ahead of us and understand just like God has taken care of other nations, he prophesied over and said they're going to come to an end because they've rebelled against my gospel, rebelled against my people. It's going to happen again to other nations. And why? Because the Bible prophesies of it. And that's God prophesying, and yet some have already come to pass, and some prophecies are yet to still come to pass, but as surely as God has taken care of the past, He's taken care of the future, but He planned for all of it before the foundation of the world. Welcome to God's plan, because many things have happened to you. You got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, accepted the call on your life, been blessed with all the things you have, but yet the blessings aren't over yet, but as far as God is concerned, They were done before the foundation of the world, and you simply have to look forward to it, that's it. And today we're gonna talk about our glorification. The resurrection body that is yet for us to come. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter one. Let's start with verse three. It says here, who, this is God, has blessed us. Notice his past tense, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. God took every blessing we're about to read, and he placed it on Christ who didn't need it. God gave to him eternal life he didn't need. He already had eternal life. God blessed him with every blessing that he already had. He held it in state for us. And once I am in Christ, I share everything with him. I have nothing on my own. Everything I have is because I am in Christ and I share what he has. I don't have eternal life on my own. I share my eternal life with him. I don't have an inheritance of my own. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You understand that? I am an equal heir with him. And so because of his inheritance, I now share his inheritance. And it says God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But how do we get it? The moment we came became in Christ and accepted Jesus as our Savior, every blessing that Jesus has is now available to us, and some are yet future. And one day we will actually be in heaven in a resurrection body, just like Jesus. And this is called our glorification. Look at verse four. He chose us in him. Isn't that interesting? He looked at his own son at that time and saw me in him because there was a time I would accept Jesus and be in him. And God looked down the pike of time and saw me accept Jesus. So he saw Bob inside of Jesus Christ. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He has made us accepted where? In the beloved. The moment I accepted Jesus, again, this verse says in verse three, I have every spiritual blessing. In verse four, he has chosen me in In verse six, he's accepted me. And now in verse seven, it says, we have redemption uh, in him. Verse seven, in him, we have redemption. And in verse 11, in him, we have also obtained an inheritance. And part of my inheritance has already been given, but part of it is still yet to come. I would say this, the Bible says in Ephesians that the Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance. So what the Holy Spirit has been given to me is simply that, you know, when you go buy a car and they say you need to put something down on it and we'll hold it for you. Well, you put a certain amount down. It's never the majority of the cost. It's usually 20%, 25%. You put a down payment on that that holds it for you. It guarantees, listen, your down payment is the guarantee that car belongs to me and the rest of it's going to come in. The point of it is, once I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I don't have all my inheritance yet, but the Holy Spirit that was given to me is the down payment payment on God's guarantee that the rest of it's going to come to pass. And if the Holy Spirit is only about 20% and the life I'm living now is only about 20% of my inheritance, that means when I get to heaven, I'm going to be bowled over by the other 80% that's going to knock me in the face, the glory of God, the presence of God, heaven itself, all the saints that are up there, seeing Jesus Christ himself and looking at my own self in a resurrection body. Wow, that's going to be great. In eternity past, Jesus Christ was appointed as our representative. He was just deity at that time. He was Christ, he didn't have a natural body till later, but in eternity past, Christ was our appointed representative. He received all these blessings here in Ephesians chapter one and held them in state for us wherever Jesus is, we are because why? We are in him. God's plan was complete before creating heaven and earth. Our inheritance includes a pre-planned glorified body. Look at Romans chapter 8. Here it tells us this again. Romans 8 verse 29 and verse 30 says, whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. I want you to notice predestination. The word means to predesign or pre-plan. God had a pre-plan for me. How? How did He know to plan ahead for me? Because He foreknew me. And that doesn't mean He chose me and made me get saved. It simply means He knew I would receive Jesus as Savior by His foreknowledge. And because of His foreknowledge, seeing that I would get saved, He made a plan for me. But all this was done before the foundation of the world. Notice is past tense. Whom he foreknew, past tense, he predestined, past tense, to be future tense, conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover, whom he predestined. He also called, this is the word for elected, God chose me in him, but notice again, it's past tense. This is also found in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. And whom he called, These he also justified. Notice every one of these things are past tense. He called me, then he justified me. And one day I walked into it by accepting Jesus as my savior. I am justified because I am in the justified one. I am called because I am in the called one. I am conformed to the image of the Son. When I accepted Him, God saw me that way. And again, now it says at the end of that verse, it says, and whom He called, He also justified. Whom He justified, those He also glorified. Notice his past tense. Here's the beauty of this. Take the word glorified for a moment, set to the side. Everything in that verse of scripture has been fulfilled in me. When I accepted Jesus, but this one is still future tense, but it's just as much a guarantee as all the rest of them. I will have a glorified body. When it says glorified here, it's referring to the fact that at the rapture, the resurrection of the saints, I will receive a resurrection body called a glorified body in First Corinthians chapter 15. Now, once I receive that body, I'll live with forever with God in a resurrection body. But here's the point. It's a guaranteed thing. I'm going to have it. You know, this verse is simply saying, if God took care of the past, he's certainly going to take care of the future because it's all a done deal. At the same time, he planned all the things that have happened to me. He also planned the thing that hasn't happened to me yet. And one day it will. What's this verse saying? Think about this. Right now, I see myself in the midst of a problem. I see myself in a situation, could be a family situation, financial situation, the national situation. It could be, uh, there's a number of things it could be, maybe a storm has hit your house or something. And you're looking at that stand there going, how am I gonna get out of this? How am I gonna get out of this? Stop and think about this. Has God taken care of you every day up until now? Yes. Well, this verse says he already sees you glorified. What does that mean? God doesn't see me right now standing in front of this house that's been demolished. He doesn't see me standing here with creditors knocking on my door. He doesn't see me right now with a doctor's report coming at me telling me what's wrong with me. No, what he sees me as is in a resurrection body about a billion years from now. Well, what's this verse saying? If God can see me in heaven, in a resurrection body a billion years from now, then apparently I'm gonna make it this problem. And the next problem. And the next problem. It's going to go on and on and on because why God already sees me in the future. Why should I get upset when my future is just as guaranteed as everything else that has happened to me up until now? Everything in this verse that comes to us from God's grace includes glorification. Again, everything. We cannot imagine God's grace. We can only accept it. All the attributes we have in Christ are in the past tense in this verse of scripture. This is why it was possible for God to tell Old Testament saints their sins were remitted before Jesus had ever come to die on the cross and accomplish God's will. Isaiah 55, seven, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord. He will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That verse wasn't totally fulfilled to the cross. To when Jesus became our pardon, when Jesus became and showed us the mercy of God, but it was a guarantee for anybody in the Old Testament, they could get saved, they could become a disciple based on what Jesus was going to do, just like we can get saved and become a disciple based on what it, what Jesus Christ has already done. It simply comes back to this, what God has done for us. He has done throughout uh, past, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the the time of of Jesus being here, the beginning of the church, the church up until this day, and yet to come, he's going to abundantly pardon anybody who will accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm teaching from my book on Theology Simplified. And if you'd like to have a copy of this, the announcer is gonna tell you how you can personally have a copy of this book. It's simply eight different theological terms in the Bible made so simple, you can't miss it. Jesus would tell a simple, uh, when he would talk to the people, he would simply tell a parable. A parable was used like he would say, a fisherman throws a net into the sea and all the fishermen would go, oh, I understand that. He'd say, it's like planting seed in the ground. The farmers would say, I understand that. He said, it's like putting leaven in a loaf of bread. The wives would say, I understand that. I'm simply here to tell you that the words may sound complicated, but the, the explanation is simple. Be sure and order yourself a copy of this. The announcer will tell you how. I will see you right after halftime.
1: Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. The purpose of God's heart for giving is to be a guidebook to scriptural giving, Returning believers to the highest reason for godly prosperity, giving to the work of the local church and to the great commission of winning souls. When we give with the right motive, our personal prosperity is a return on giving out of love for God and a love for people. When we give our temporary money into an offering, it will produce eternal results in the lives of others. God's heart for giving is made up of 52 short outlines that make up a thought, not a sermon. These giving inspirations can be divided into more individual thoughts or can be made into a full teaching for a later sermon or series on giving. To order God's Heart for Giving, visit our website at bobyandian.com. The verse we quoted in Romans chapter eight and
0: verse 30 doesn't say he will glorify those he has justified, but whom he has justified past tense, he's already glorified past tense. In other words, the blessings that we're about to face in the future, God is not gonna throw a plan together when the time comes, he already has a plan. Do you think when something happens in your life that God looks at Jesus and say, we better throw a plan together? No, there's already a plan. God has pre-planned everything for our life does not to make us accept him, not to make us walk with him, but that we can understand that God saw my problems coming ahead of time and has already made a way of escape. I just simply need to follow the Holy Spirit, follow the guidance of the word of God, do what my recreated heart is telling me, and I'm gonna come through this thing just fine. We don't have to live our life wondering if God will keep his word. He's already accomplished what he has given to us, and it will be given. Because we're in Christ, we can be just as sure we will be in heaven one day and as sure that Jesus is already here today. In fact, God sees us already in heaven again, like I said, in a resurrection body. First John chapter 3 and verse 2 says this, It does not yet appear what we shall be. First Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10, it is written... Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to them through his spirit. So right now our eyes can't see it, our ears can hear, but one day they will. How do I know that? I mean I heard someone uh, went, uh, talking to someone that didn't, wasn't a Christian, didn't believe in heaven. And they said, how can you believe in a place that you haven't seen? Have you seen heaven? No. Have you been there? No. Have you Have you seen a picture of heaven? No. And he said, well, then how can you believe in something you haven't seen? And I love what this minister said to him. You have a brain? He says, well, of course I do. He said, have you seen it? The guy went, oh, well, uh, yeah, uh, well, there's pictures of it. And he says, yeah, but have you seen your brain? How do you know you have a brain? You've taken someone else's word for it. I chose to take God's word that there is a heaven. And because he's been right about everything else in my life, guess what? He's right about this one. There is a place prepared for me and it doesn't even yet appear what it shall be. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us in heaven for those who love him. But again, it says God has revealed them to us through his spirit and his spirit amplifies his word. So we can see glimpses of our resurrection body. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 through 44 says this. So is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. That word sown means planted. All right. They're sowing and reaping. And that's what this is talking about. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised or reaped in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but raised up or reaped in glory. It is sown in weakness, raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is right now a natural body that's for us. And there is a spiritual body. And the one that we can see and and find example of in the word of God is what's my body going to be like? Let's take a look at Jesus' body. You know what this verse is simply saying? I love this. Notice this again. It is sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor or raised or reaped in glory. It's sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and a spiritual body. What's this verse saying? Folks, we don't bury Christians. We plant them. Why? Because there's gonna come a resurrection. There's going to come a harvest day. And on that harvest day, what has been planted is going to come up. And what comes up is totally different than what you plant in the ground. I'm here to tell you that you put a seed in the ground. All right, we used to live in a house and all around our house, We had trees everywhere and those trees were oak trees. But on the ground, there was always acorns laying there and those acorns fell off the tree. You could look at an acorn, you know what? You could step on it and smash it. That's how destructible it was. But you put it in the ground and what comes out of the ground after that is an oak tree, which is one of the hardest of all woods. And literally it's almost an indestructible thing that comes out of a destructible thing. My body is destructible. That's why I have to walk in faith, trust him for my health, walk in forgiveness, do all these things because I want to live a good long life here on this earth. I need to take care of this body. But what happens when it's sown and it comes a time that I don't see the rapture. So I just, they bury me in the ground. They're only planting in the ground, this body. And one day this body will come up as a spiritual body and it will be indestructible. Right now, I'm subject to things in this earth, have to trust God, trust the Holy Spirit, trust the scriptures, but there's going to come a day I won't have to trust anything. I will have a resurrection, indestructible body that is guaranteed for me. Our present body is called a corruptible body and that means that it is it can be corrupted and if it goes to the ground dust to dust ashes to ashes it's going to turn back into dirt but it's going to be raised up incorruptible 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 says perishing to be raised indestructible. So we are perishing every day, but one day we will be raised as indestructible. A dishonorable body, they'll be raised into a glorious body. That's what we're talking about, glorification. One day in my resurrection body, I will bear even in my body, the glory of God. My spirit has the glory of God. And every day I walk with Jesus and honor God, God sees me as more glorious. I'm changed from glory to glory to glory, but you can't see that in my physical body. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed. And one day though, I'm gonna have a glorious body. My body will be just as glorious as the spirit on the inside of me. And that resurrection life will be seen in me. A weak body is going to be changed into a powerful body and a natural body will be raised up a spiritual body. The word natural and spiritual here refers to what our body is made of. And my body right now is made of nature. That's why it's called a natural body and there is a curse on nature. So there's one part of me that still carries the curse from Adam, that's my body. I don't care how much you trust God, you're going to get old. I don't care how much you trust God, you're going to have bags and wrinkles, okay? Uh, as somebody said one time, the that, that sands of the hourglass flow down, and that's what your body begins to look like. But one day I'll have a resurrection body that I'll look like I did in the prime of my life, and it will be glorious, powerful, and it will be everlasting. Our bodies will come from heaven, made just like Jesus' body, and finally, a mortal death will be swallowed up in eternal life. So if you wanna know what your resurrection body will be like, just look at the body of Jesus, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about orders of resurrection and there are orders of resurrection. Jesus Christ was the first one to ever be resurrected. He's called the first one resurrected from the dead, the first begotten from the dead. That means that along the road somewhere, I'm gonna have a resurrection body too. Let's talk about the order. First Corinthians chapter 15 lists the orders of resurrection that God looks at. The first one ever resurrected was Jesus. Now again, people often say, yeah, but there were people that were resurrected before that. you know, And uh, Lazarus, In the Old Testament, two young boys were raised up and we have others that were, you know, came back to life. No, no, they were resuscitated. What I mean by that is they got their old bodies back and they died again. I mean, those two boys that were raised up, one under Elijah, one under Elisha, And even when Jesus, you know, Lazarus was raised up, Lazarus died again one day. And at the resurrection of Jesus, bodies came out of the graves and walked back into town. Matthew records this. And they walked around and told people, you know, but those were natural bodies restored and they died again. Okay. But listen, a resurrection body that will never die again. The first one to receive it was Jesus Christ, the first begotten from the dead. And so next of all is the church and that's going to ra- occur at the rapture of the church. And the church will see their resurrection. And at that moment, we will see, receive a resurrection body just like that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you wanna find out what your resurrection body is gonna be like, go back and study the resurrection body of Jesus. He can walk through walls, he can appear and disappear. He could be in one place and suddenly appear somewhere else. He could, uh, he could eat, but didn't need to eat. He could breathe, but didn't need to breathe. And he could he could literally stand and then just suddenly just, just start going away. And he could go up through uh, th- from the earth. He could go up through the atmosphere. He could go through outer space and finally sit down at the right hand of God in the third heaven. So think about that. A resurrection body can exist anywhere. It can exist on the earth, exist in the upper atmosphere. It can exist in outer space and exist in heaven. So that's what your resurrection. Body is going to be like a totally different type of body than the body you have now. The church again is the second one to be resurrected, receive a resurrection body. Jesus, the first, the church, the second. Next of all, Old Testament saints and tribulational saints will be raised out of their graves and given a resurrection body at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is found in the book of Daniel, the closing chapter, chapter 12. And we're told that that's when it's going to happen for Old Testament and tribulational saints when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom on this earth. And then those that were saved during the millennium, at the end of the millennium, they'll receive a resurrection body also. So it simply comes back to this. We will all have positions in heaven, never before given by God and greater than any Old Testament saint. I want to say that again. The church has a special place in heaven. It is the one that Jesus Christ comes back with at the coming to the earth, at the second coming of the Lord. And we will come back with him as a bride adorned for her husband. So the church is the first group resurrected after Jesus this is found in 1st Corinthians 15 verse 23 no old testament saint has never had a position like the church does adam's original position in the garden Psalm 8, verses 5 through 8 says this, speaking of Adam at the time he was created and made on the earth, Psalm 8, verse 5 through 8, you have made him, that is man, a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the air, the fish that pass through the paths of the sea. Our glorified state will be greater than that of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. And so when Adam and Eve were placed here, again, they had authority over this, but even they were made just below the level of angels. Adam and Eve and all Old Testament saints were never seated with God on his throne as we are and will be. Because why? We're in Christ. Wherever Jesus Christ is, there we are. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. We are in him, so we're seated at the right hand of the Father. And no angel has ever been said to be in Christ. No angel has ever been said to be part of God's family. But guess what? We are. So in heaven we will have a place equal to that of Jesus Christ. In other words, what the verse is saying is that you made man a little lower than the angels. By creation right now, I am lower than angels, but by position in Jesus Christ, I am above angels. But one day, even by creation, I will be above angels. I will have a resurrection body. I will be seated at the right hand of God the Father with Jesus. And this verse is simply saying that the church has a special place in God's plan. The church is who is fashioned into the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this will all happen at the time of the judgment seat of Christ. So Adam and Eve and all Old Testament saints were never seated with God on his throne, are never said to be in Christ and never said to be a part of God's family. In Revelation chapter 15 and verse three, it says this, they, that is those on the sea of glass sang a song of Moses, the servant of God. These are Old Testament saints that came up and notice what song they sing. They sing the song of Moses. We're gonna sing the song of the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection we've had through him. Why? Because they came up during the law and the way they knew Jesus Christ was through the law of Moses. The way we know Jesus Christ is through the writings and teachings of the New Testament and find out who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. I could go on and on and on, but I have just run out of time. We will continue this tomorrow.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bobyandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast.